This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we continue our series on images we find in the desert. We will learn about the rotum and acacia trees and what they teach us about living in our own deserts. And again, if you have a discussion group um, that's going on around the country, please let us know about that. Uh, you can contact us through the contact form on the website. If you want to start a discussion group but don't know how to go about doing that, uh, get in touch and we'd like to help help you out with that. You know, we got a little some instructions that we can share with you on some ideas. It's definitely not down to a fine science and it's still a challenge for some, but I heard an interesting story the other day about a listener we have in Portland and uh, she got a new job and lo and behold, I mean, Portland's a big place. I mean, I'm no census expert, but it's, it's pretty big. Portland's a big, big, big place and gets a new job. And uh, one of her coworkers listens to the podcast, so oh man, you never know uh, where you're going to find them. They could be literally just right around the block, and you don't even know it. And they're waiting to talk about it with somebody else too. So just pop your head up over the cubicle wall and give a little <laughs> shout out, see if anyone responds. Yeah, that's right, that's right. All right, so um, yeah, when we reviewed last time, so let's just dive in. Uh, let's try to make this a short podcast today. Let's do that. All right, I'm ready. Whatever you say. <laughs> Optimism. That's what that is. Hashtag glass half full. Okay. Uh, let's see here. We have, um, yeah, so we talked about Shepherd last time. I want to talk about some more images. And the next four images I want to talk about, two of them today and then two of them on our next episode, um, would be the four trees of the desert. There are four dominant trees that for me, that I learned about that I would love to pass on to all of our listeners um, that really helped me understand the desert. You're like, that's crazy trees, like in the desert. Yeah, there's four of them um, that show up in different ways and four of them that taught me a lot about the desert. So first one I want to talk about is the the rotum bush, Uh, technically a tree, I believe, in the Hebrew, but uh, it's called rotum, R-O-T-E-M, R-O-T-E-M, rotum, and it is also known as the broom tree, Uh, looks very broom-like whenever you see it, and uh, I have a... Uh, picture here, our first picture that we'll have on the photos that we share with you guys in the presentation. I have a, a picture here of the broom tree, one of my favorite photos uh, taken by Christy Pedro. Very well done. Captures the broom tree to me really well. A photo I wish I could have taken myself. Oh man, we just didn't get to a wonderfully placed broom tree like this on our last trip. Um, but yeah, wonderful photo here. Now this captures it because when you think Rotem as a person of the desert, the image that comes to mind with Rotem is the image of shade. Uh, one of the places that we see it in scripture, um, it's often associated with people in the desert about ready to give up people in the desert that want to die. One of those images is Elijah right after Mount Carmel. Uh, he's on the run and he just, all of that work he did on Mount Carmel, the fire and the altar and the Baal prophets and the rain and it doesn't work. Like one day later, everybody is out to get him. And so he's on the run and he just wants to give up. He's like, it doesn't work. I'm done. And he lays under the shade of a, in the Hebrew, rotem. Uh, One of the other places that I've been told it shows up, and I don't know if this is in the Midrash because it's not in the actual Hebrew, uh, is in the story of Ishmael. uh, When Hagar lays Ishmael under... Uh, I believe it's tradition says it was a rotum. Rotum is the bush you think of in the desert when you're hot, you're thirsty, you can't go one more step. You might remember last uh, episode we talked about shepherd and shepherd always brings you to just enough. And when you feel like you're not going to get that next bite and there's no way out, 
um, you find yourself uh, laying down in the shade of a rotum. Now, tell me, Brent, as you look at that photo there, tell me about tell me about the shade of the rotum. Well, I mean, you say this is a tree. <laughs> That's right. And I'm looking at this picture, and I don't see any trees. Yeah, yeah. It's the size of a sagebrush. It's uh, it, it's even maybe like the tuft of grass that uh, yes. the, the sheep find. Yeah, it's that just enough idea. I'm telling you, over and over and over again, what the desert is going to teach us is the principle of just enough. It's a very hard lesson for us to learn in our culture. We have a culture of too much. We have a culture of abundance. We have a culture of wastefulness. We have a culture of fast food. We have a culture of empire in a lot of ways. And it is hard to get Egypt out of our hearts. And Jesus takes his people here to get Egypt out of his people because it's here that you learn the lesson around every single corner, around every bend, around every turn, you learn the lesson of just enough. And and not only is there, this is not a large bush. It's actually very difficult sometimes to get your whole body in the shade. A lot of times you're going to be able to sit with like maybe your upper body in the shade. Not going to be a lot of shade here. Just enough shade for what you need. But uh, another thing I noticed about this picture is it's not like there's a forest of rotum here. Right. We're pretty uh, pretty lone rotum. It's solitary. Yeah. And I'm looking in the background there, and I don't see a whole lot of rotum. Um, and I remember in 2008 when I first experienced a desert, uh, we came across one of these, and it was like a gift in the middle of... Uh, and Ray took 40 minutes to teach this lesson, and I was so... Because we all got to sit in the rotum for like 30 seconds and got to stand in the sun for the rest of the lesson because only one person could sit underneath the rotum at a time. Uh, but man, just another principle of just enough. And and this is one of those places where you have to operate your imagination because I think we can understand what you and I are talking about cerebrally. It's totally different to be in the desert and understand the kind of gift that a rotum might be as you wander through the heat. Now you have, uh, if you uh, would do a favor for me, you've pulled up a bunch of references to shade, because I think we read. I don't think I know that we as Westerners, especially Americans, read over references to shade. They do not catch our attention unless we ever get to go experience the desert. So I wanted you to pull up all the references to shade, and we're going to skip a couple because of their relevance. Um, but just start at the top there and and read me some of the references here. So the first time you see is Judges 9.15. The thorn bush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thorn bush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. All right. So this idea of taking refuge in my shade, that comes out of a parable in the middle of Judges, uh, where the prophet is talking about um, uh, Israel wants a king and they're at putting out this request and this tree is saying, come, come sit in my shade because shade is so desirable. It is refuge. Okay, go ahead and give me your next. Uh, so we have Psalm 80, 8 through 11. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea. It shoots as far as the river. Okay, so this this reference actually tells the story that we're learning about right now. The story about how God took his people out of Egypt and then transplanted them as a as a tree that would give shade to all the mountains, I think, of Abram's uh, blessing, that he would bless all nations. So there's this idea that what they're supposed to give a desert world, a world of desert, they're supposed to give it shade. 
Shade is this very powerful image. What's your next reference you got? Psalm 121 verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The shade at your right hand. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you just reach your, maybe you're, in a, maybe you're like in a car or maybe in the gym and this would be really awkward, but do it anyway. Reach your, reach your hand out like as far as it can go. Like stretch it out as far as you can get it. That's how far God is. Like the, the psalm says, God is always at your right hand. God is always your shade. But again, this isn't the shade of a mighty oak tree. That's not the kind of shade you see in the desert. I mean, if you look at that picture, if you still have that picture up in front of you, there's not a lot of shade there. So when you think of shade in the desert, this isn't like a mighty oak tree. Um, this isn't a circus tent uh, shade. This is God is a rotom bush. God is just enough shade, and he's never further than as far as you can reach. He's always at your right hand. But again, it's this image of relief, uh, rescue, um, just enough relief, just enough refreshment to maybe make it to the next bend and the next rotom bush. Go ahead and give me your next one. Song of Songs 2 verse 3. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. All right, well, we'll talk about Song of Songs and fruit uh, some other time. But uh, the desire of sitting in my lover's shade. Uh, what a refreshing moment to be able to sit down in shade. Okay, what about the next one? Isaiah 4, verse 6. It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain. All right, so again, there's this idea of refuge, of of the shelter from the from the storm, a refuge, and during the heat of the day, uh, same idea. What's next? Isaiah 25, 4. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. You have been a refuge for the poor, a shelter from the storm, shade from the heat of people's deserts. Uh, uh, what other kind of Isaiah references do we got here? Uh, let's see. Isaiah 30, verse 2 and verse 3. Um uh, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. All right, so that, that verse talks about where do you go to find your shade? Make sure you're finding your shade in the, oh man, the, the common colloquialism is just killing me this lesson. Throwing shade at people. <laughs> this is just horrible. It's just screwed up my lesson. Uh, common, common language people. That is, that is a little bit backwards from I what know. we're trying to say. I know. Those millennials screwing up my Bible lessons. All right. Well, if they knew the text, then they probably wouldn't have made Ooh. that up. I don't know. Maybe our new idea is that we need to throw shade at people, which yeah. is where we're headed here, right? I mean, this is this is the biblical idea that where do you go to find your shade? Do you go to Egypt and the promise of empire to find shade? Or do you go to the desert and find the rotum shade that God wants to give you and God begs his people don't go back to Egypt. My shade is the right shade. You're going to be disgraced by Egypt's shade. Um, and one of my favorite passages uh, comes in Isaiah as well. And it's got a different word. It uses the word shadow, but it's the same idea. And it is a, it is a passage of Isaiah 32. And it says, a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule in justice. Uh, and the idea here is that there's coming a day where a king will rule. We might say Jesus, but in Isaiah's day, they were looking forward to a day when there might be a king who would rule in righteousness. But how many kings are there in that passage, Brent? 
Uh, just one king. All right. So a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. How many rulers? Um, a lot of them, apparently. A plural. Very much plural. So one king with lots of rulers. So if we say Jesus, then who would the rulers be? It's got to be his followers, right? It's got to be all of us. Like, So there, Isaiah talks about a day where there would be a king who would rule reign in righteousness. And so we say, oh, yes, Jesus. Okay. And if that prophecy is true, then rulers will rule with justice. Each one would be a shelter uh, and a shade. Uh, well, I'm just totally messing this up. Do you have it in front of you? I don't. Oh, man. Oh, sh- uh, no, I do. I do. Okay. I like uh, that. King Warren, uh, let's see. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert in the shadow of a great rock in the thirsty lands. Yeah, a shelter and a shade, stream of water in the desert. Uh, There's this image of, on one hand, God is our shade. Some of those references that you quoted earlier, it was about God is the shade at your right hand. Um, You are the one that go out in our refuge to the poor, oh God. Uh, Sometimes it's God who's the shade, but in the other references, it was us we are the shade. Uh, we're called to be people's shade. Sometimes God is going to provide shade through other people. And so God said he took a vine and he transplanted it out of Egypt in order to give shade. He's not giving shade. He's giving shade through his people. Um, that's why he put his people at the crossroads of the earth was to give shade. Uh, one of the things he's asking us to do in Isaiah 32, each one, that would not be Jesus. That would be us. Um, and one of the things that gets me so cranked is uh, we love to run around and talk about how Jesus fulfilled prophecies. Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Jesus fulfilled prophecy. When are we going to f- fulfill prophecy? Like our calling and part of what the desert teaches us is um, not just just enough for us, but it also teaches us how to be just enough for other people. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I love about this picture here, I'm still looking at that same Rotom picture. Um, one of the things I love about that. It, is sometimes I get intimidated. I hate pastoral care, if I could be honest, which I guess I am because I'm on a podcast. I despise hospital calls. I find it so intimidating. I'm a cerebral teacher. I love to have answers and suffering sucks. Like I don't have answers for trial. I don't have answers for people's deserts. And it has been a long lesson as I've grown and grown and got older and older of learning that that is okay, that I can just sit with people in their suffering. Because when I originally got into pastoral ministry, I felt like I had to have all the answers. I felt like I needed to be an oak tree of shade. I had to like pull people out of their deserts. And that's not what God asked me to do. God asked me to be a rotom bush. And I look at this picture of this rotom bush and I, and I think to myself, I can do that. I don't know if I can be an oak tree a terebinth on the bank of the river Jordan. I, I, but I can be that. I can show up and be just enough shade to allow somebody get to get to the next step along their journey. Um, and, and I've always been encouraged by that. Uh, but I do have another teaching on this. There's a lot more here. And I get really, if anybody's ever heard me teach on this, you know how passionate I get about this lesson. And Bren actually has a sermon uh, that we were laughing as we listened to it because uh, 
I was I was a little wound up, maybe. Well, you were wound up, but but the uh, the congregation was also getting into we it, so it was up. good. Yeah, but he'll put a link to that message if you ever if you want to hear me teach on that, uh, do some connection to the Book of Acts and different things like that. Uh, you can click on that link and listen to that lesson of old. It was one of my favorite lessons and definitely one that uh, people talk about the most to this day. Uh, but anyway, it's it's there for your for your enjoyment. The other tree I want to talk about today before we're done is a tree of a. Acacia. Did I say that we would get done nice and early today? Yeah. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. We're getting there. Okay. So the next tree is a tree that, uh, the acacia tree. And um, the acacia tree is, uh, in a lot of ways, totally different. They call this tree, the Bedouins call this tree, the gift of the desert. So you might notice the rotum. The rotum is going to grow um, kind of all throughout random places, usually in the middle of a wadi. We'll talk about wadis later, but a wadi is a is a canyon in the desert. It's where all the water, when it does rain during the rainy season, the water rushes down to uh, obviously the lower levels. And as it rushes, it has cut over over thousands or, or millions or however you want to do that math. Uh, years, it has cut these deep canyons uh, into the ground. And these wadis have formed. And so all along the way, you might find those rotum bushes along the wadi. But then where the wadi flattens out, uh, you have an acacia tree, where all of a sudden there's no more canyon and the water is going to go out and disperse and scatter and then settle down. Right where that water goes and pools, you'll find groves of these acacia trees. Now, the acacia tree is called uh, the gift of the desert by the Bedouins. Uh, It's incredibly useful. Like the rotum bush, well, that's kind of known for shade. And the acacia tree's got some great shade, too. We, we, uh, you sat underneath an acacia tree. Under a grove, just like yeah. you talked about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, middle of a hot day. It was nice. It was very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, shade is definitely nice. A lot more shade under an acacia tree than there is under the rotum bush. Yeah, there was enough for our whole group. Unfortunately, you only find them at the end of the wadi. So, um, but uh, this acacia tree is also used for building. The wood is strong, um, and, and you can work with it. Uh, the wood burns hotter, and it also burns longer than almost any other wood found in the desert. Uh, it produces a sap, a pitch. My wife and I have an argument about whether or not it's pitch or sap. So uh, we can all weigh in on that, and you guys can let me know who's right. Um, but uh, the... I'm, not, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> Unless you're going to side with my wife. Nobody should. Um but uh, pitch and sap, and and uh, it, this can be used for anything from building materials. Uh, it can also be used medicinally. Uh, the tree produces these little tiny pods, about an inch to an inch and a half long, almost like a carob pod, uh, only it's very, very small, very, very, maybe a three-eighths of an inch wide, inch, inch and a half long. And uh, I have been told that if you boil a kilo of that in water— that that will feed a camel up to a week. Like this tree has these unbelievable properties. Um, and, and the Bedouins call it the, the gift of the desert. Now, here's the thing about the acacia. Most of the acacias you see will often look dead. Um, because they have to have water in order to bloom. The interesting thing about the acacia is the acacia can sit dormant uh, for years. Seven, eight, nine, I've been told 10, 11, 12 years. It can sit with no water, be as dead, just look like a dry, dead, no life there, haven't seen life on that tree in years. And all of a sudden the rains come 
in just the right way that the water flows to its location. And all of a sudden, after being dormant for a decade, the tree will spring to life um, and be as alive as, as ever and produce fruit and leaves and it will look green and amazing and for most of the time looks completely, absolutely dead. Now, here's why that is striking to me, this amazing gift of the desert. Um, by the way, when I talk about trees, uh, I'm talking about a lot of things that were passed on to me from Ray Vanderlaan in that video that we recommended um, uh, last episode. has a bunch of these things in there as well. Um, but Ray studied uh, at Hebrew University, and one of the, rec- the required texts there for really any Bible student at that level, uh, if they have to study biblical botany, you study a guy by the name of Noga Haruvini. Uh, and he is known as the world-renowned expert in biblical botany. He kind of wrote the textbook for, uh, for biblical botany, Noga Haruvini. And um, so uh, anyway, uh, he's, he's the guy that's kind of written the book, quite literally, on this. And he, he said that the tree of Psalm 1 which also happens to be the tree of Genesis, uh, not Genesis, Jeremiah 17. So the tree of Psalm 1 and the tree of Jeremiah 17, he says, has to be the acacia tree. Um, and that I find interesting because it gives a whole new context to Psalm 1, one of my favorite passages. So I'll recite it here. Um, I recite it from just kind of my own study and translation. The words are often different in different translations, but hopefully I'm pretty darn close. Um, Blessed is the man who does not Walk in the way of sinners, nor stand in the seat of scoffers, nor sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on it, he haggahs. We've talked about haggah before. On it, he haggahs both day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of, and the Hebrew literally says, rushing water. Not quiet waters, not the still waters of Psalm 23, rushing waters, these wadi floods that come down and, and flood out at the end of the wadi. It will be like a tree planted by streams of, of rushing water, never failing to produce its fruit in season. Uh, and what strikes me about that passage is if it's talking about the acacia tree, well, never failing to produce its fruit in season that's a fruit and an acacia tree season is like once every decade. What that means is that the Psalm, the, 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 the blessed man that Psalm 1 speak, speaks of is somebody who is willing to haggah the text day and night through years of what I might call spiritual drought. Years of seeing nothing for the work that they're putting in, but they know, they believe that walking in faithfulness, putting the text in, in him or her, like making sure that they're getting the text in them, it is going to produce, I can't see any rain, no rain, no rain. No, and then all of a sudden, one day the rain comes and this tree springs to life. And what I love about that is this is this tree is known as the gift of the desert. So if in the last tree, the Rotom, we talked about how God is our shade, but we are called to be shade. Uh, here's another image of the things in the desert that I'm called to be. Like I'm called to be the gift of the desert. And how am I going to do that? By making sure that I walk the path and I walk the path and I walk the path. Even in times of drought, even when there's no rain, even for years of seeing nothing come 
Day and night, I Haggah the text. Day and night, I meditate on his law. Day and night, because I know that one day the rains will come, the tree will spring to life, and all of a sudden I'll be ready to bear fruit, the gift of the desert. So it's one of my favorite images. We're going to pick up there with our next podcast, but I'm going to let that one sit there for this one. And then we're going to pick up right in the middle of that conversation uh, for our next discussion and talk about another tree in the desert that it compares us to. Sounds good. There you go. Did we get done in, you know, early? Yeah, sure. That's pretty good. 25 minutes for us? That's that might, like... Might be our shortest episode yet. It's like a commercial for us. <laughs> All right. Well, if you live on the police, join us for discussion groups in Moscow on Tuesday or in Pullman on Wednesday. If you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. You can find me on Twitter at EIBCB. And you can find more details about the show at BayMoth Thanks for joining us on the BayMoth Podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.